2: Yes, indeed it is. The Bob France Authority, good morning to you. Thank you for joining us at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. If you just tuned in to AM 1420, The Answer, thank you for doing that. If you've been here since the great Hugh Hewitt program, thank you for sticking around. We've got a lot of good, important things to talk about today coming up in about 40 minutes. We will talk with Congressman Jim Jordan, who is uh, going to be all over the place on a lot of very important issues, including border security, the left has won with assistance from the right okay that 's a little bit of a uh, of a misnomer uh, because those republicans republican turncoats uh, who voted against the president in the United States Senate uh, last week to uh, stop the president 's national emergency declaration. They were never on the right they 're just Republicans in name only they are not conservative, and they voted to uh to stop the president. Well, so they have won the day, or at least they had one day, one, uh, won the day. I gotta use my past tense verb there until almost immediately after. Yes, indeed, the president did what he promised he would do. He smacked a veto, slapped a veto stamp right across all of their foreheads. To the president of the United States, I wanna say thank you for that brilliant decision. That is exactly what you should have done. They immediately called they being Democrats and republican uh Republicans in name only rhinos immediately promised an override. They are not getting two thirds of the United States House of Representatives to override that presidential veto. They are not getting two thirds of the United States Senate to overturn or override rather that presidential veto. The President of the United States appears to be at this point in time anyway. At least at this point in time, the only member of our federal government who is willing to fight to secure our border against what is clearly an absolute national emergency, no matter how many times they want to tell you that it's not, that it's manufactured, the president is the only one who is recognizing the numbers and the threat and the drugs and the gang, uh, gang bangers. The mules, the human traffickers, and everything else that continues to pour across our border, almost unabated. And I say almost unabated because uh, I know that the Border Patrol agents are doing the very best that they can. I know that we have a lot of very hard front line, rank-and-file workers on the border who are doing everything they can to try to stop this, but without the assistance of the border barrier, the president is doing anything and everything he can do to get built. By dragging funds from one place to another, everything that he can do without any uh, uh, assistance from a barrier like that, our Border Patrol agents are stuck. They're hamstrung. They just don't have any play to make. And as a result, since they just continue to flood across and always saying those magic words because our Congress won't change what it takes to be able to request asylum. They all know those magic words. They're being brought across and they are being forced, they being the border patrol agents, are forced to allow these people to go free in the United States. They're being dropped off in cities. And we're talking about massive amounts of people. So the president did what he had to do and said, it is an emergency, I don't care, not that he doesn't care, but he disagrees wholeheartedly with the Congress, and he used his first presidential veto of his first term in office on this. And I think it's very Congress important. Congress
0: is still trying to undo his national emergency declaration. The
2: president tweeting a reminder he hasn't soon forgotten. Those Republican senators who voted in favor of strong border security and the wall are being uniformly praised as they return to their states. They know there is a national emergency at the southern border and they had the courage to act.
0: Great job. Meanwhile, a fight is ensuing over where the money for a wall will
2: come from. Many on the Hill worried about pulling funds from the military's budget in a reported list of projects said to be defunded. Which should be very easy to do, by the way, because the military was overfunded in the budget last year. The military got massive, massive increases in funding, which, of course, I support, and I think most conservatives support. Our national security, as it pertains to our military, needs to be fully funded after being decimated by the Obama administration budgets. The, uh, the, the military sla- had spending slashed for eight solid years in the same way they did for the eight years of the Clinton presidency. And it's always up to the next president, who, by the way, then gets blamed for overspending when we have budget deficits because they've got to rebuild what the Democrats tore down. George W. Bush had to do it. He rebuilt the military, spent an awful lot of money, uh, created some budget deficits, and people screamed, oh, my gosh, Republican spending? But they had to rebuild it. Then, of course, along comes Barack. They tear it back down again to the bone so that they can give all of their uh, pet projects all of those funds. And here comes President Trump has to do the same thing, rebuild the military. So the point is, though, it got a massive spending increase in order to be able to rebuild our military to full strength. And that's important. But it got overfunded. We talked about this for the better part of, well, last year in 2018 especially the last half of the year, when the fiscal year began, the federal um, budget for the Pentagon was $84 billion heavy. Those $84 billion are not apportioned to any particular military project or building, construction, manufacturing of materials, or anything else. Those dollars could very easily be uh, repurposed for National security, which is what the military is, is all about, including fortifying our southern border. So no matter, and let me give you an example of how important this is. FAIR has new numbers out today. This is exactly what a crisis looks like. This is why the president's veto and his support of his own national, doubling down of his own national emergency declaration is so important. More than 1.7 million illegal aliens from Central America and Mexico continue to live in the United States despite orders for removal. Roughly 1.74 million from Central America and Mexico face either deportation or pending deportation orders but continue to reside in the United States. According to federal documents recently attain, obtained by Immigration the, the uh, Immigration Reform Law Institute, IRLI, Federal data reveals close to 645,000 illegals from Central America and Mexico have final orders for deportation, and around 1.1 million illegals have pending deportation orders. A plurality of the d- deportable group, about 574,000 of the 645,000, are Mexican nationals. About 446,000 are Selva- Salvadorans, 380,000 are Guatemalans, 339,000 are Hondurans that make up the rest of the group of about, total of about 1.7 million to put that in better perspective, the one point seven four million total figure of individuals in the United States who have been ordered to be deported or who are facing that order right now that's larger than the population of Philadelphia, larger than the population of Dallas, larger than the population of San Francisco. This is some of our biggest cities. Why a population of this magnitude remains in the country is kind of worth questioning. Would you not agree? Would it also be considered to be, I don't know, an emergency? You tell me when you look at the costs for all of those individuals being here. Hundreds of billions of dollars a year. Literally, fair did the numbers. On the local, state, and national level, illegal aliens in this country are costing us roughly $134 billion a year. That's not an emergency? You've got this 1.74 million figure of, of, of illegals here who are, have been ordered to be deported, who are facing those orders, are still here. And that underscores the need for the border wall. My point is, if we can't get them out of here once they are here and they are ordered out, then we have to find a way to stop them from coming in. Laws need to change about asylum requests. Laws need to change about what constitutes a refugee. And a border wall must be built to stop those who aren't even bothering to claim asylum or uh, to claim refugee status. They are just border jumpers. They need to be stopped in their tracks because once they're here, they disappear. There's a rhyme I probably ought to make that a thing I should you know once they're here they disappear. It's real some 90 percent of illegal aliens who are uh, known to be here and who have been released under the infamous catch- and release policies of the, of the Obama administration which are now sadly and in unbelievably unimaginably being expanded under President Trump but 90-plus percent of those who are here illegally and who are ordered to return for their deportation slash uh, amnesty hearings are never heard from again. They don't come back, because why would they? They found their way, they're working, or they're receiving benefits, one or the other, or they're conducting illegal activities for their livings, and they're not coming back to face potential deportation. That's why they must be stopped. That's why the president is right to declare an emergency. The 1.74 million figure is just a sliver of the total of illegal alien population estimated to be residing in the country. It's estimated at about 12.5 million illegals right now in the, in the interior of the country. With sanctuary uh, jurisdictions expanding across the country and local enforcement agencies unwilling to cooperate with federal authorities like ICE, it is expected that more illegal aliens will continue to disregard the country's laws and increase these startling figures exponentially. It's all a manufactured crisis, right? Isn't that what open borders advocates continue to say? despite these figures recently released by U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. According to the official reporting, February saw the most drastic increases in various categories over a five-year period. Family unit alien apprehensions and inadmissibles surged by over 1,000% last month. Exploitable asylum laws, which I've been talking about, which is a congressional issue, and a 1990s court settlement that prevents a child and a parent from being detained for more than 20 days are contributing factors to the increase. I talked to Tom Holman, the former ICE director, uh, last week, and uh, I played that for you. Heard that. Tom Holman said, this is exactly what the problem is. They come here with a child, a child and or a child with his parents or guardians cannot be detained more than 20 days. So that increases human trafficking. As illegal aliens grab a child, pay a couple of bucks to a parent who's willing to sell their kid to let them go into the United States, then get set free after 20 days, and then say, oh, by the way, look, there's an unaccompanied child here who needs his parents, and then they send for the parents as well. UAC, Unaccompanied Alien Children, Apprehensions, and Inadmissibles saw a 41% increase in February, over 7,000 of them. Total apprehensions for February, another substantial increase. In fiscal year 2014, for example, Customs and Border Protection apprehended 36,400 individuals. As of last month, this figure spiked up to 66,480 in the same month of, uh, of of this of this year, that's an eighty three percent increase, because of inadequate border barriers, and then of course magnets on the interior, sanctuary jurisdictions, corporations willing to hire cheap illegal alien labor over American citizens. No surprise at all that the appreh- apprehensions are increasing, but moreover, those that we cannot apprehend are coming through. It is a national emergency. The president was right to declare it. The Congress should be ashamed of itself, including every member of the Senate, especially Republican members of the Senate like Ohio's own Rob Portman, who voted to support the illegal immigration, who voted against the national emergency declaration because he doesn't want the border wall built. It's why these people need to go, and they need to go quickly. 921, the Bob France Authority, right back after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Um. 926, Now the About France. Authority continues on AM 1420. The answer, good Monday to you. It is the 18th morning. I forgot to tell you that uh, at the top of the hour. 18th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Not that you don't know the date. I just like to tell it because I like to be able to remind us, uh, remind us all that we are indeed in the year of our Lord. Uh, It kind of matters, especially now more than ever. Um, That's going to lead me into this. Um, Nobody should be able to or should want to compare tragedies or compare attacks, compare terrorist assaults on one group of people to assaults on another group of people. That's not what this is about, really. Um, But comparing the coverage of attacks of different groups of people is something that I find important to do because we were all moved and, and horrified on Friday, were we not at the revelation of the New Zealand gun massacre, 49 Muslims shot and killed inside mosques, 40 others injured by this, uh, white supremacist uh, uh uh lunatic in new zealand right we were all horrified by that and of course it received the requisite national international coverage be, you know that that would you know that would be uh appropriate for such a terrible event 49 people were killed essentially because of their religion and according to the manifesto of the killer uh, their they're expanding influence in his country. That's a pretty amazing and terrifying thing to think about. People being killed because of their religion on that kind of a scale, right? And that received the international coverage it probably should have. What didn't get any international coverage? and And that includes here in the United States. Not any even national coverage is the fact that over 120 Christians were slaughtered in Africa last week as well. No one talked about it. No one covered it. Christians being slaughtered by Muslim herders in Nigeria. This didn't get any coverage at all in the New York Times. This didn't get any coverage at all in the Washington Post. This didn't get any coverage at all on NBC or on CBS. Why is it that when Christians are slaughtered in foreign countries, it is ignored completely? But when the Muslim massacre took place in New Zealand, it became story number one. Why are only some religions considered to be protected? Why are people of only certain faiths considered to be protected? Worthy of protection and worthy of the outrage and the horror when something bad happens to them. And people of another religion who are slaughtered solely for their faith, solely because of who they are and what they worship, they're not worthy of a second of prayers, of thoughts, of concerns, of, oh, my God, the outrage, not one bit. And that's exactly what happened. At least 120 people have been killed by Fulani militant attacks in Nigeria. These are called Muslim herders. 120 dead, 140 homes burned to the ground. Mass slaughter of Christians in Nigeria. These attacks have been going on since February. The latest attacks on Monday resulting in the deaths of over 50 and the destruction of more than 140 more homes. On Monday last week, 52 people were killed, dozens injured, around 143 homes destroyed in the villages of Inkirimi, Doganoma, and Unguangora in the Morrow District. Uh, um, The places are too hard to say, but in Nigeria. No one is covering, this is a foreign country, you might say, well, it happened over there, that's why it's not getting coverage here. Well, it happened in New Zealand when the mosques were shot up. It got coverage here. Why is Nigeria and the attack and the butchering of Christians ignored? These are questions that need to be asked. Again, I'm not comparing victim to victim, I'm comparing coverage and what that says about... Uh, our view of Christianity and Christian victims versus those of minority religions in the United States. Right, we'll have more on this, and I welcome your phone calls to 216 right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Com- It is 935. The Bob Branson Authority continues on this Monday morning. Hope you're having a great start to your day. Uh, Mr. Jim Jordan is going to be joining us. Congressman, rather. Representative Jim Jordan uh, is going to be joining us here in about 15 minutes or so. We're looking forward to a conversation with him on the veto of the president's veto of the... Um, Resolution, uh, decrying and rebuking, and trying to stop his national emergency declaration. We're also going to talk to Congressman Jordan about a couple of other matters, including uh, what an amazing turn of events, or or uh, I won't say turn of events, but what an amazing development uh, of the, of existing events as it pertains to the ongoing witch hunt against President Donald J. Trump. And what I mean by that is. Um, It was revealed over the weekend that former Senator John McCain, the late Senator John McCain, of course, was complicit, if you will, in trying to get the dirty dossier that ended up being used to get the FISA court to uh, uh, grant a search warrant to spy on the Trump campaign. Former Senator John McCain was a part of that. This was revealed uh, just this weekend. John McCain sent a trusted aide across the Atlantic to get the dirty dossier from the ex-British uh, spy Christopher Steele after a former British diplomat told him about blackmail tapes. S- Senator John McCain was was involved in essentially the witch hunt um, against President Trump. And President Trump, finding this out over the weekend, had some not-so-nice things to say about Senator John McCain, as you can imagine. And that has touched off a firestorm of controversy, not over what McCain and other anti-Trump individuals did, but it's touched off a a, a, um, a firestorm of controversy about whether or, not it, whether or not it's okay to criticize somebody for something once they've died. And uh, naturally, the president is being hammered. I mean, how dare you say something bad about John McCain, who's now dead and can't defend himself? How dare you say something bad about John McCain, who was an American hero because of what he suffered in Vietnam? How can you say anything? You know what? Enough of that nonsense. Enough of that nonsense. The dirty dossier was used to spy, to get an order from the FISA court to spy on the president's campaign illegally, trying to, again, stop him from winning an election trying to stop him from winning an election. And, of course, as you listen to the rest of the individuals who conspired in all of this, if he did win the election, it was going to be an insurance policy to try to uh, undermine his presidency, to try to get him removed from office. This is a big deal. It is a huge deal. And uh, what does that have to do with Jim Jordan? Jim Jordan uh, talked about this yesterday on Hannity. On television, actually, uh, no, not yesterday. This would have been uh, Friday. On Friday, but it was uh, some of this was when I read it was on Saturday, and Congressman Jordan pointing out that the FISA court was duped, duped into issuing that warrant, and so I'm going to ask Congressman Jordan about that. Um, it, and they were duped by a dirty dossier, obviously that Senator John McCain had something to do with acquiring. This is a massive story, And you know. I got to tell you, I understand. I really do. Why so many people get frustrated with any criticism of Donald Trump? I do. And I you know me, I'm a straight shooter always and forever. I believe in the Constitution first. Constitution and country, God long before I will believe in or or prioritize any one individual who happens to be an elected leader. Okay? So always first, and that means I will criticize that which deserves criticism, including things from President Trump. But a lot of people get mad at me on this program, and they'll call me or they'll email me or they'll unfollow me on Facebook or on, on Twitter. How dare you criticize President Trump? And, and I, like I said, nobody is above reproach. Nobody should be off limits for criticism. Nobody. With the exception of Christ himself. Nobody. But I do, I will say, I do understand why people get frustrated with any criticism of President Trump, because every day it seems like we find out how many more forces conspired against him, including so many forces within his own party. I mean, individuals who sold their souls just to stop him, even in the Republican Party. And this list just goes, gets longer and longer and longer. And I do understand, and I feel for the president. Now, it doesn't make some of his decisions defensible because he is facing such, you know, daunting odds and such, um, an incredibly, uh, uh you know, such, a, such a massive, uh, um, movement or conspiracy against him. But, but I do understand. Why, you know, some people feel the need to say, I'm going to defend him at every turn. I can't do that. I'm honest and straightforward. But I do understand, because when you see the people in his own party stabbed him in the back as often as they have, and they continue to do so, you know, uh, you know, it, some people deserve some cover. And if you want to provide him cover, I do understand it. I still have to do my job, and I still have to say, this is great, this is bad. You know, for example, since I've been talking about the, uh, 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 border in the president's veto that he issued over the weekend, uh, the first one of his presidency, uh, as pertains to the illegal border crossings. I'll say this. The president needs to stop misleading the American people about borders. uh, border walls having been constructed. He continues to say, the wall is being built. We have to finish the wall. We have to finish the wall. We have to finish the wall. The wall has never been started. Not mile one has been completed of new wall. Not one mile. There have been upgrades to existing border barriers. There have been repairs done to damaged border barriers. There have been um, you know, replacement barriers put up in places where the barriers already existed, but there is not one new mile of border wall or border barrier that has been constructed since this whole thing began. Not one. I'm looking for the president to be honest. Tell people that. As a matter of fact, rather than pretending new construction is being done, it will help the president and his cause if he tells the world or tells the country that we haven't had a one single new mile of wall built despite our promises because that will underscore the need for it here's why the number i gave you the numbers last segment here's why the numbers are so crazy because we haven't done our job yet and blame it where put put the blame where it belongs put it on the congress which has refused to grant the funding necessary to do it Frank is in Brook Park. You're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, Frank. Thanks for waiting. Go right ahead, sir.
0: Thank you. Uh, uh, that first by nine twenty, you got through so many totally statistics. Excellent stuff. Terrific. I wish I had an email of all of that data you read off before when you went up before Well, break. it's available I you. if you if
2: you have if you have an email. Well, you know what? I can the, the statistics are already available on uh, one website. If you have an opportunity to get online, it's fair. Dot us or no, I'm sorry, fairus.org, fairus.org. That's the Federation of American Immigration Reform, okay. fairus.org. You can find all those statistics right there, my friend.
0: Oh, okay. And on one other thing, yes. you're right on the fact that Christians, the brutality against them, practically worldwide. You mentioned Africa, you're absolutely right. We need coverage of that. It's, uh, the, the media totally avoids the execution
2: of Christians by jihadis. Thank you very much. No, thank you, Frank. And that's exactly the point I was trying to make. And why? Why do Christian lives not matter? And the answer here in the United States is because they're the majority. Majority lives don't matter. Majority lives, majority races, majority, majority, majority. If you are a minority in some way, and again, it's not just racial, but, uh, then, then it's considered to be worse if you suffer some sort of discrimination or some sort of hate crime or obviously being murdered than if somebody in the majority. It's why groups like Black Lives Matter. Well, it's what happens when, when whites are murdered doesn't matter because they're the majority. You're in, you're in power. There's white supremacy. There's white privilege, blah, blah, blah. Same thing when it comes to religion. If Muslims are murdered, oh my God, it's a terrible hate crime. And it is, by the way. What happened in New Zealand was. But if Christians are murdered just for being Christian, it's a non-crime. Because it, it's a non-story because nobody knows about it. It's an absolute shame. Hey, friends, I want to talk to you about food for the poor. Now, you've heard our national hosts talk about this all the time. As a matter of fact, whenever I fill in for Hugh Hewitt, I talk all the time about food for the poor. Uh, because it is devastating what is going on in Haiti. Um, it's, it's the poorest of the poor in, in Haiti, and our friends at Food for the Poor have been trying to save lives there for a very, very long time. The latest in the aftermath of the violent street protests, resources have been cut off, including food, medicine, and clean drinking water for the people of Haiti, and they need our help. They are dying at an unacceptable rate. Food for the Poor is one of the few organizations still on the ground helping in Haiti, right? But they do need our help. And our national hosts have been asking you, and now I'm going to ask you, specifically if you're a business owner, I want to tell you about our new attempt to help Food for the Poor through our Business Benefactor Program that will allow you to help families get out of this desperate situation as they starve to death. If you are a business owner and you're willing to make a $500 donation to help feed the starving, hungry, sick people in Haiti, we will give you in return for that $1,000 worth of advertising right here on AM 1420 The Answer. A $500 donation to help the sick and the poor gets you a $1,000 worth of free advertising right here on AM 14, 1420 The Answer. We want to partner with you to help them. So if you're a business owner, please call 844-868-4673. That's 844 844- Eight six eight four six seven three, or you can just go to whkradio.com and click on the banner ad at the top, and become a business benefactor. Donate a five hundred dollar. it's it, just a simple five hundred dollar donation, which will feed and clothe and and provide water and medication for starving people in desperate situations. Give a $500 donation and we will give it back to you double the amount in free advertising right here on AM 1420 The Answer. Click on the banner at whkradio.com, donate to Food for the Poor, and grow your business at the very same time. It's 947 Congressman Jordan next on AM 1420 The Answer